Blog Talk Radio.
welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified sound and reconnective healing therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. And as an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you just can't listen online any longer, then call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via your telephone or please use Bluetooth if you happen to be driving a boat. Now, I'm going to offer you a question to ponder tonight, a question that is the title of the book that we will be discussing. What are you waiting for? Think about it. It only takes a moment to realize, wait, what? Hmm, what am I waiting for? Keep contemplating that. You will be surprised by what you come up with. It's just amazing. My guest tonight is Kristen Moeller, a coach, speaker, author, and radio show host. She is well known for, and actually she delights in disrupting the ordinary, and she inspires others to do the same. In 1989, she was recovering from an eating disorder and addiction, and she discovered she was passionate about personal development. And after years of struggling with low self-esteem, she realized that both recovery and joy is indeed possible, and she was determined to provide this for everyone else. And she immersed herself in the field of personal growth. She earned a master's degree in mental health counseling and volunteered and worked in treatment centers while she continued to train and develop herself. Now a highly popular radio personality, TED speaker and author, Kristen Moeller is an in-demand workshop facilitator and visionary dedicated to providing people with the tools that they need to find and live their passion. And you can learn more about Kristen Moeller by visiting her website. It's www.kristenmoeller.com. So it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-M-O-E-L-L-E-R. Go ahead and write that down so that you can check it out after the show. But without further ado, let's chat with Kristen now. Good evening, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you being this evening? Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I love your book so much. A lot of it resonated with me because... Well, I hold the same beliefs, and I found myself nodding my head in agreement as I was reading each page. I love the title, What Are You Waiting For? Learn How to Rise to the Occasion of Your Life. It speaks volumes, to me anyway, and there are so many people who just kind of wait for life to happen to them, and that's not really how it works. They don't realize that life isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you take action and participate in and take responsibility for. And you need to be aware and live from the space of creation, not from the place where you sit around and wait to see what's happening next. So you're very open about your life. And in order to keep us all on the same page, why don't we start with you letting our listeners know about your background story. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you did such a nice summary. (laughs) I really liked how brief you made it, too. uh, I tend to not make things that brief. Um, you know, the like many young adults, young uh, teenagers, really, um, I was I was pretty lost and uh, moved around a lot when I was younger. My parents divorced and um, moved back and forth between Massachusetts and Florida, from small town outside in the suburbs outside of Boston to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And every time I went back and forth between those two places, it was culture shock and. Uh, 
I didn't adjust well. I just didn't. I, I was shy anyway and started becoming more and more uncomfortable and having trouble fitting in. And um, I ended up really focusing on my appearance, thinking that if I just wore the right clothes, I would be accepted. And then that shifted into somehow deciding that I needed to go on a diet and uh, lose weight, which really wasn't the case, but it was, you know, how it is in our culture. And even even back then, way back then, almost 25 years ago, um, pressure on young women to look a certain way. And uh, I just felt that I fell short. And so what, what happened as first this coping mechanism turned into a seven-year battle with eat, an eating disorder, bulimia, and then um, alcohol and drug use as well. So it was a very dark time, a lot of, you know, just a lost lost kid. And thankfully, my parents, um, my mother had gotten sober a couple of years before uh, I ended up doing that, and she found me a treatment center, and I went to rehab in 1989 and started my journey into the world of, of self-help. That's wonderful because the fact that you were so shy, and, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, it's difficult, you want to fit in, and you're trying to do whatever you can to fit in. And, you know, it's really hard sometimes to, to make that transition to fitting in, being shy, and not doing all the things that you don't want to do. But you seem to go, like you said, you went back and forth, you were shy, you didn't fit in, you tried to do things, and then you came through it. Now, I find writing to be very cathartic, and I'm guessing you do as well yes. because of the, you, know, you wrote the book. But you put a lot of information out into the world in writing, and you, know, you can't unring the bell. Did you find it difficult to be so open coming from such a shy place? You know, well, it, that was many years in between, so I think I would have, um, you know, uh, because it literally I'm. this is my 25th year. September will be the actual day. Um, and mm-hmm. my first book I didn't write until 2008. So at that point, you know, in I, I grew up in 12-step programs, really, because I went from rehab into a 12-step program and stayed there. And in 12-step programs, the, the beauty is we share our stories, and we share our stories so that others can not feel alone and can relate. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just this, you know, it's a, it's a really amazing thing to do, and you start to get used to being able to share like that, share openly. And the more I realize that by sharing my pain and my um, upsets and my sense of being lost and all of that, that 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 provided something for other people, it gave me more courage to do so. And so by the time I came around to writing my book, I was pretty, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't any difficulty at all, but it was um, not the major, I was more concerned about my writing ability than sharing my stories. Okay. And kudos to you for everything that you did to help yourself, because that is not an easy task. You know, I I commend you for, yeah, for doing that, because a lot of people just don't, they give up, but you did not. Well, yeah. Definitely, they do give up, and that's yeah. you know part of my message is not about addiction recovery, but it's clearly in the background of what's possible when you do cover, recover from addictions. And and you made yourself a living with what you what you went through to help other people, which was really yes. quite wonderful. Yes, to yes. turn it around like that, you know, because people then can they they can um, relate to you a lot better. They understand. They say, okay, this one really understands instead of this person oh, right. has never been through this and they're just doing the textbook thing, you know? Exactly. Uh, you do we, 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 there's enough of the textbook thing out there. We don't need yeah. to know that. <laughs> 
Well, and you refer to yourself as a self-help junkie, which to me says you read a whole lot and you take a lot of workshops and you really work on you and your growth. People will say they do that, but it, it's not necessarily true. They might read things, but if you don't put the things into practice so that you're yeah. actually working on yourself and growing, it doesn't work. So yeah. I'm, I'm close, right? Or is there something different to that reference of the self-help junkie? Oh, right. No, I mean, I definitely, what I found, I was I was definitely putting things into practice. I think self-help junkie, I loved playing with that term um, It's it, because so many people do exactly what you're saying, don't put it into practice. And, and then there's another version of it, which is more mine, that I put it into practice, but I kept still thinking that I would attain perfection. And so since I kept turning up as not perfect, like, you know, still had things that I needed to deal with, life still happened, then I thought, okay, well, it's just the next course then. The answer's in the next course, you know. And so there's a there's a fine line between when we're putting our attention completely outside of ourselves and looking for answers, you know, and, and uh, you know, and then not and not well let me say it differently the the fine line we all have to find for ourselves and i found that i was looking outside myself for answers thinking that other people had my answers and looking for perfection so self-help can be i mean it's it's amazing when we really do use it and as long as we don't think that everybody else has our answer and we don't you know we can kind of put ourselves in student role but not in what a, you know, inferior role, I think, really. Um, being a student of life is great. Being uh, that, you, that you don't know anything and therefore, you know, something's wrong with you, not so great. Mm. And, you know, everyone, I think everyone else does not have the answer. That's just like across the board. <laughs> because if you yeah. think somebody else has it, it's like, no, <laughs> that's not how yeah. it works at all. No, and, you know, and, and – <laughs> yeah, and it, and asking for, I mean, I think there's we can get, we can seek counsel, you know, we can we can have advisors in our life, we can do all those kind of things. But if we're going, well, what do you think? 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 You know, and never looking and saying, wait a minute, what do I think? And that's that's one of the traps of of self help and being a self help junkie. And uh, you know, it, and there are many many traps that we can fall into. Yeah, and I think and I think most people do for a little while anyway, because that's how we learn to to figure things out by asking the questions and realize, okay, that's not working. I can't ask a multitude of people. You only need an advisory group, and you don't need five million people to be in it. Exactly. You know, you have, yes, a yeah, board of you know, advisors. Yeah, that's right. You know, but not a board of a thousand. You know, you don't need to keep no. it until you get the right answer. You know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And as far as looking for perfection, I think that's something that probably, and, and maybe I'm way out of line here, but I hear it from women a whole lot more than men. Women try so hard to do the perfection role, to be perfect at the job, raising the kids, being the mom, being the wife, getting everything done. I don't hear it as much from dads or men really too much. Do you notice that? Yeah, I think they must do it differently, you know, and it just it definitely – women and i would say women are my primary audience men um do sometimes learn but i think there's just a different twist that men because i think men are equally hard on themselves just it 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 looks differently but yes i mean women i just spoke i did a book signing last night and you know is one of my kind of one of the things i ask people to consider for women is when when they think they're not waiting in life i say okay 
look in the mirror right now and look at yourself, look at that person looking looking back at you. And do you have any kind of judgment when you look at that person? Or do you are you meeting that person with just a complete open heart and love and or do you sit there and think about, oh, I shouldn't have said that to that person and I should have done that or I shouldn't have, you know, been that way or look at those wrinkles or, gosh, I look this way. I mean, my, my guess is it's all the negative things I just listed, not the mm-hmm. reading yourself with open heart thinking what a beautiful soul is looking back at you, you know. And so when True. when I when I point that out, then I say, well, okay, if you have any of those and you're not just looking at yourself as this beautiful soul, then you're waiting in some way, shape, or form. And it's it's the kind of the trick question to look at how we wait. And I find that women just we're so so hard on ourselves, whether it's just whether it's how we look and that you know time is working against us. You know, every day mm-hmm. is a wrinkle. Um, so there's that, and then there's what we compare ourselves to, and there's all the fashion magazines and every way we should look, and not even not even just that. Then there's the how the you know in the media there's so much bashing of celebrities and anybody that's in the in the public eye they're bashed if they're not perfect. So good God, we would not want to be perfect, not not be perfect. And that's just in physical looks. And then there's, of course, how people behave. And then there's how we are brought up to be good and polite and kind. And I just read something. I don't remember where it was, but it was talking. I think it was in the Week magazine, actually, talking about um, bossy, being a young girls being called bossy and how this does damage mm-hmm. later on. And then there was kind of a conflicting response to that, saying, what if we could just actually get okay with the word bossy? Because it's just we... You know, if if someone calls you, well, you're a bossy woman, you know, it usually shuts us up. Like, well, I don't want to be viewed mm-hmm. as that, especially when you're younger. You know, but what if we just could own that power? But we just have so many, so many standards that we are never, ever, ever, ever going to meet all of them. And most of the time we're judging ourselves by one standard or another. And I think the big one, and you mentioned it, is the fact that, we look at magazines and TV and we believe what we see. When in actuality, yeah. if you look at magazines and you see someone who's advertising an anti-wrinkle cream and they don't have a wrinkle on their face, yeah. but you know for a fact that, you know what, that person is actually Irish and they're freckled. And it's funny they don't have any freckles on their face either. It's called yeah. Photoshop, people. I it's know. called Photoshop. It's airbrushing I know, and Photoshop. That- I know, and I love, I've been seeing more recently on social media some of the kind of before Photoshop, after Photoshop pictures, which is really awesome. At least we know that, but it's still, we may know it, but it's still not what we think. We don't automatically think that when we look at the pictures, and they're just, it's, you know, subliminally affecting us from when the very first time we start to see that that's what ideal woman is, this beautiful, perfect, like you said, no freckles, no wrinkles, no, not a hair out of place, perfectly proportioned, everything, you know, it's just that it lines up like an artist would draw a perfect, perfect figure, and outside of that is not okay, and that's what we, that's what we grow up with. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, because I will say to people, you know, God doesn't make junk, but when you do stuff like this and destroy his work, really, you think you're better than God, when they... They change all this stuff in a magazine or in a, in a movie, and they're, it's crazy. And, the, and yep. people, they'll think about that for a minute, and they'll say, 
okay, wait a minute, what did you just say? And I'll say, God doesn't make junk. How can we change what he, we put it out there? If, if that person was returned to God now, God would say, who are you? I did not make you like yeah. that. You must have been photoshopped. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. So that whole perfection thing. And then when they get into the, the bit about, you know, you see the things that, that celebrity people are doing wrong and they're being harped, you know, called out on it. And if you look at people that you know and think, okay, well, we don't do that, you know, so that's okay. So there's levels here that people look at and think, well, I want to aspire to be like that person. Well, I don't want to do what they did. It's really difficult, and like you said, for women to, to juggle all of that when they're being told at work. Let's face it, if they're being told they're bossy, the other B word comes into play. You can't exactly. be aggressive. A guy can, yep. but you can't because you're female. Yep, yep. Totally wrong. Yeah, totally wrong. It, it is. It's it's just a setup. And the thing about it is we keep buying into it by supporting the magazines and, you know, all of that. We just keep in advertising and, you know, we just have to. And fortunately there are organizations now, there are groups where they're trying to do something, but just more of us have to wake up and not participate in that and say something about it and not stand for it, especially especially the extremes, you know. Um, magazines and or, or catalogs, clothing companies that use clearly anorexic models, you know, putting the pressure mm-hmm. on, things like that. And just consider, even if you don't have kids, consider, do you really want the next generation, the further generations to grow up with that? You know, do we really want that? And then, you know, another thing I just thought of when, when you were saying that is the public humiliation like public shaming and that's so much what we see in the media happening in the lives of all these people you know they mess up and it, they're just publicly shamed and so it's like good god don't step out of line and do anything you know don't that we watch it happening and then we we laugh too or we cringe too and then we think we kind of got to take that down into our lives and think how is that how is that restricting us what we're doing we just you know we want to kind of be really even though we don't we don't think we're wanting to do this we're just still acting like sheep you know we're going to don't go out of the herd too far stay close don't make waves don't be singled out don't go against the grain all of that kind of stuff it's true and it's not even the celebrities necessarily people become celebrities by accident recently i think it was this week there was a boat that needed to be rescued, a yacht, two people and two kids on the boat, and one of the kids was sick, and they rescued the boat, something happened with the boat, and they rescued the child, of course, the kid went to the hospital with the parents, the parents were going around the world, and all of a sudden, all this social media, oh, you're horrible parents, you should, what were you thinking, taking your child and, and on, on a trip around the world, well, you know what? If they made it all the way around the world, it would have been a different story. It would have been, wow, what a great experience this child got to have. Both of these kids got to go around the world, you know, before they were like eight years old or whatever it was. But because they needed to be rescued, and it was through no fault of the parents. I mean, the child got sick. And I listen to this and I think, really, who are we to judge anybody else? Is anybody doing this so perfectly as a parent that they can judge someone else and say you shouldn't have done that? Because I can even go back as far as the challenger and say, you know, that school teacher, she had kids. She had no business getting on a rocket going into outer space. And, yeah. boy, people would come down hard on me for that. Yeah. But you're risking your life doing that. What kind of parent are you? Okay, I have no right to judge anybody and say that. You know, 
But she wanted to fulfill part of her life dream to do something. And if they went up and back, it would have been a marvelous thing. So it's funny how you aren't a celebrity, but if you're in the media in a big way, you become a celebrity and now you're just a target. And people will throw anything at you. Right. No wonder people don't, you know, you don't want to, we may have dreams and goals and all of that, but good God, if we have to go past a certain point, we won't, we won't do it, you know, because that would be, that would be just putting yourself out there to, to risk exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's like when I was in third grade and we were, this is in my, in my book, um, we were reading out loud in front of the class and I was already shy. I'd already moved once at that point and changed schools and my parents were separating and I, I said it was my turn to read and I was so afraid when it was, you know, the books being passed around and so afraid and uh, it was my turn and I said the Windy City is also known as Chicago instead of mm-hmm. Chicago and the whole class laughed and I just, I was horrified, just absolutely horrified mm-hmm. that I made this public mistake and, of course, I remember it as that the whole class laughed. And, you know, it, the truth is I don't even know. I mean, it might have been some Snickers or something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I let that shape my life, you know, of just I will never, ever, ever let that happen again. And I will never raise my hand unless I'm sure I know the answer. And almost everybody has something like that, you know, something that happens yeah. at a early early age and we let it shape us and then we don't even realize that how much we're letting it hold us back but we just don't want to feel that pain again and you know I went on and became a public speaker but I had to do a lot of work you know to transform right. that and it doesn't mean that I'm not afraid anymore it just means I'm willing to do it anyway and you yeah you're willing to take the risk and you're willing to put yourself out there but you do your homework i had a very similar experience it was a, a history class and I was probably, I don't know, I was in the sixth grade. How old are you in the sixth grade? Nine or ten? And the book was being passed around. Well, you say that. I thought, same thing happened to me. Book was being passed around. Yeah. And I got the book. My paragraph had the name Michelangelo in it. Only it was all oh, together. No. So I called it. So I said Michelangelo. Boy, that did not go over well with the history teacher, let me tell you. What do you mean, Michelangelo? I'm like, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> you know, I was a shy little kid as well. And, and yeah. I, too, do public speaking. And I'm like, you know, that really, it really can, especially when it comes from the teacher. I mean, the kids, one thing, I probably could have taken that, but all I remember is the teacher coming down hard on me. And mm. I thought, wow, okay. And you never want to speak in class again. And you, want, you sit there in the back of the room and you hope you never get called on. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard. It does shape your life does yep. and I think and where you, you're working with adults it's it's those adults to train them to say now turn around and teach your kids a better way to do this so that they're not you know it's not perpetuating right exactly and you know you can't do it perfectly as a parent you can't save your kid from having those experiences but what you can do is normalize those things and talk about them and normalize you know that and share your own experiences and you know, and just kind of see how we make things mean things and we decide how life is and how the world is and it doesn't necessarily mean it is that way. And it just, I mean, everybody's going to make mistakes and we just don't, gosh, we just are so, so hard on ourselves about that when we do. I mean, I don't like when I make mistakes. I don't, I don't, I still don't like it at all, you know. (laughs) And but to live is to make mistakes, and to succeed is to make a lot of them. Yes, 
And there was a movie about a little kid that was grown in a garden. The two, a couple wanted a, a child, and then all of a sudden oh, there right. was a little child. And, okay. And I loved that movie because something – I saw the trailer, and he – I don't know. He didn't make a football pass or something, and the coach said to him, what are you smiling about? And he says, I can only get better. And I thought, oh, that's my new mantra. I can only yeah. get better. I like that because it really helps you. It builds self-efficacy rather than mm-hmm. self-confidence because self-confidence is just like, you know, aren't you pretty? Aren't you smart? You, you know, and that type of thing. Whereas the self-efficacy is teaching them you have the tools to do these things. Now know that you have them and use those tools to do whatever. And I think that's where we need to make a shift. Self-confidence is great, but let's give them the self-efficacy so that they know really how to go out there in the world, and they'll feel better about themselves. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think that's really good. I like that. Very well said. Thank you. Um, Your first book is called Waiting for Jack, Confessions of a Self-Help Junkie, How to Stop Waiting and Start Living Your Life. Now, that came out, I thought, in 2010. You said 2008, so I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it came out in 2010. I started writing it in 2008. Oh, okay. All right. And... It's about the concept of waiting as well. Now, I yes. did not read that first book. So what is the difference between that book and this current book? That is an excellent How do they question. Differ? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that book um, was based on, that was my first book, and that was based on catching myself waiting for Jack, thus the title. And Jack is Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I had an email. Yes, I love him too, and he's also a mm-hmm. good human being. Um, I had an email connection with him, email mentorship with him, and it all originated from when he was speaking. He, he came to speak to Denver, and I had read his book, The Success Principles. I went to see him speak. In front of 800 people, he held up a $100 bill, and he said, who wants this? And I jumped mm-hmm. up out of my chair, ran up on stage, and grabbed it out of his hand. And he said, yes, "Yes, that's it. You can't sit around waiting for what you want in life. You have to be willing to go for it. So then I asked him for his email address, and he gave it to me. So I had this nice email connection with him and went on for about six months where I would just tell him my goals and my dreams and what I was working on. And then I lost my inspiration, and I stopped emailing Mm. him. And some time went by, and I thought, well, maybe if I get back in touch with Jack – I'll get that inspiration again. So it's pointing to what we were talking about earlier, thinking, okay, Jack. So I sent him an email, and I didn't hear from him, and then I sent him another email, and I didn't hear from him. And I was in the middle of this family gathering, celebrating my dad's 70th birthday, sneaking into my room to check my email, doing the compulsive (laughs) send, receive, send, receive. And I had an epiphany. I thought, what am I doing why am I waiting? And then I thought, why am I waiting for Jack? And it was like <laughs> light bulb, waiting for Jack. I'm going to write a book called Waiting for Jack, all about why we wait in life instead of go for it. So it just, you know, this moment of catching myself and, this, and then this fun topic, and then given his name was Jack, it was like Jack of all trades, master of none is better search for career and purpose. And Jack of hearts is about relationships. And you don't know Jack as being willing to let go of all we think we know. So I had this great idea, cool chapter titles, a sense of what could go in the book. Only problem was is I wasn't a writer. So I had to go become a writer, and I mean that I had to really just write and learn how to write, and I hired editors, and I had a coach, and, you know, just developed myself as a writer, and it was a very challenging, challenging process, and I did it, and it was amazing, and that book came out in 2010. He wrote the foreword. Things really kind of took off for me after that. I, 
I started my radio show and um, started speaking nationally on pretty big stages and um, continued my connection with Jack and, you know, really had that life-altering epiphany and, you know, my life's on track and all of that. Well, fast forward a few years later, and due to my being out more in, in the media, I got the notice of a new publisher, and she said, I love your book, I love what you're doing, I love this concept, and I'd love to actually do kind of a rewrite of this book and re-release it. And um, so I said, okay, that sounds like a, a great idea. That was the end of 2011, early 2012. And um, in my business, I had been really, really taking off and just, you know, doing extraordinary work, and it, for, it was at a level that had never been at before. And so life was looking really great, except for I was burnt out. And I, I really was just trying to figure out, how did I get here again? Like, I'm burned out, and I'm trying to get somewhere, and I'm trying to prove something. And, you know, and yes, it's all exciting, and yes, it's what I love to do, but it's, it's not feeding me completely. Well, three months later, my house burned down, and it just burned everything down with it. I was, you know, everything I was doing, I just let go of everything, everything. And I had this book deal and I thought, I can't do it. I mean, it can no longer be what it was originally going to be. And after a year of blogging about the loss of my home to fire and the grief that comes with that and the, you know, just what happens with when something like that happens and just doing a lot of writing and really, you know, deepening that, I found what was what you know, I found this whole deeper level, and that's what I think we're really talking about is this whole lack of self-acceptance. And so even though, you know, I wrote the whole book the first time about waiting, I was still waiting. And so what I claim is that everybody, you know, most everybody is too. And, you know, if you really truly aren't waiting in life, then you might be um, falling into the other extreme of, of doing too much, you know. So mm-hmm. in this book, I really also distinguish it's not – this is not – it's not saying go jump into mindless action. I mean, in fact, it's really saying come from, come from your source, come from your strength, come from that rooted place in you. However you get to that place, you know, whether it's God or some kind of spiritual approach or yoga or, you know, meditation or whatever your path is to really getting quiet, it's, you know, coming from there but looking, looking also at what are you really, truly, truly waiting for. And and also exploring the we have these life crises like I did with the fire and maybe it doesn't have to be something where your life burns down and you get the diagnosis or your husband or wife is leaving or you know it doesn't have to be the the major major knock it can be a gentle knock yeah just being more aware and, and hearing yeah. and knowing yep. when things are coming at you you know I love yeah. when you talk about looking for the gift in life because I firmly believe that out of everything bad, horrible, horrendous, negative, whatever term that you want to use for, the, for not good, comes something good every single time no matter what. But I know that it's an internal thing and it's being aware and seeing the lessons learned for your own personal growth. And, you know, it always is for our own personal growth. And for me, it's about being grateful. And I believe it truly, truly keeps us balanced and focused on the greater good, the collective whole, if you will, you suffered that devastating loss and you lost, well, all of your material possessions. And yeah. the lesson that, you know, there, there was a lesson that came from that 
at what point, I know you said it took like a year for you to really let go, but at what point were you really aware of the good? Because you, I know you saw good that came from it. When did you notice that there was good that came from that loss? Um, well, you know, I think that I, I knew, what at least I knew in the beginning, even right when it happened, is that I would grow from it. Um, mm-hmm. So in that, when I and I, I do attribute, I do put growth and good on the same, <laughs> on the same mm-hmm. page. Um, it doesn't mean not painful. It doesn't mean right. we want it. I mean, I wasn't going, I wasn't jumping in up and down saying, oh, my God, I'm going to grow. Yay. You know, <laughs> but I did know on a deep level, having walked through fires before in life, my, you know, addiction, fires, cancer, death of dear friends, loss of pregnancies, moving, you know, major life stressors, I knew enough to know that I would grow and I would grow spiritually and I would grow as a person. So I knew that. Um, As far as, and I think, you know, that truly is a major exploration in this book. And I don't say that I have the answers for, you know, how each of us get there. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do also, I was trained, I was at it drilled into my head for years by my dear mentor of look for the gift, look for the gift, look for the gift. Right. And so sometimes the gift is looking just in the tiny little places. Sometimes it's a, it's not the, you know, I, I would love to say that since the fire, my life has altered and it's altered forever and I no longer, you know, fill in the blank and now I always fill in the blank. I mean, I would love to say that, but I don't think it's so simple. And so I don't mm. say that because um, I think that's the trap. And some people I think can truly, you know, say, you know, I went through cancer and I got a new lease on life and, and now I don't take life for granted. I mean, I, I kind of would like to sit down with them and say, really, like you never take it for granted, <laughs> you know, right. you never, right. you, you don't, you always remember how precious it is and you always are kind and to yourself and others and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, like, if you are, then awesome. But I think for most people, it, I think tragedy and these life-altering occurrences wisen us and deepen us. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things I got was that I'm, I am human <laughs> and therefore mm-hmm. messy sometimes and human. And human means messy sometimes and it means beautiful sometimes and it means you know, scared sometimes, and it means excited and thrilled sometimes, and it means doubting. It means all of those things. It's a, like, it's human. It's not, I'm not, I haven't arrived at some place of spiritual perfection where life is just easy peasy now. Um, So I think that that's, that is the biggest lesson I got, and, and, and sometimes I forget that lesson because I still, I've got the, I need to be perfect uh, tape that plays pretty damn loudly still, you know, and then the further mm-hmm. I get from the pain of the tragedy and those those days, the kind of the more I forget that, oh, wait a minute, maybe I really can be perfect. And if I just do this, this and this, and I'm good. And now I really know. And, you know, and when I say perfect, I mean, you know, do things perfectly. Don't let things get me down. Don't get thrown by, you know, an angry uh, client or, you know, a 
ang- you know, someone who's mad at me for something or someone who says something mean or, you know, don't get thrown by those things. Like I think that I perfection to me means I wouldn't get thrown by anything anymore, ever. Right. You know? <laughs> and so That's then I possible. measure myself. What's that? That's not possible. <laughs> I know. But, but yeah. you know, and I, so I know. and But yet we live like that. Like, you know, we just keep living like that. And so that's the thing, you know, that ultimately I got, I got that it's not possible. And yet the further I get, and I just like to be really truthful about that too, because I think it's just, it's just important. I think that's one reason why self-help fails is, uh, I think, well, there are two parts to why I think self-help fails because a, we think, okay, I'll read this book that gives me the five steps to never wait again, which is not what I do. But, you know, just right. say, you know, we read a book that says five steps to never wait again. But here I am waiting again, so therefore there's something wrong with me. You know, I think that, that it's, it fails us there. And I think it also fails us by claiming there are five steps that really would work to really, truly never have us wait again, you know. So we, yep. we kind of... And that's and that's why I keep wanting to tell the truth. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, if we do reach spiritual enlightenment or spiritual perfection, we're dead because it's not going to yeah. happen on this plane. You know, that's just, yeah. it's just not going to happen. We are works in progress. And yeah. the, the benefit to that, the, the great thing about that is that every time something happens, you build your awareness so that what I've noticed, because I've been through a lot of things too, cancer being one of them, that when you do something human and something occurs, your awareness, might, maybe it kicks in a little faster and you can process through it a lot more quickly because you get it, because you go back and you remember. That's what happens with me. I'll remember certain things. When we suffered yeah. Hurricane Sandy here in, in New Jersey, we didn't have electricity for two weeks, and I would go to yoga, and there'd be a woman next to me, and after three days, she got her electricity back, but she was totally upset because she didn't have cable. Cable vision wasn't on. She couldn't watch TV. And I didn't say a word. I just sat there and went to yoga as many times as I could because it was warm there. And I would wash my hair in the sink, and then I would come home and freeze. And she asked me after about 11 days, you don't say anything, and you're always so happy. And I said, yeah. And she said, when did your electricity come back on? And I said, it hasn't yet. And she said, oh, my God, it hasn't come on yet? You should be, like, screaming and yelling at someone. I said, who? A lot of people don't have it. She said, well, how do you maintain, you know, being in a good mood and, and what you're doing? And I said, because all I keep thinking is there are these very young people over in foreign countries fighting for our freedom, and they don't know if they're coming home at all or when if they do get to come home. And I'm thinking, they don't have light at the end of the tunnel, but I do. So that's what I'm thinking. It completely yeah. shut her up. But I think if yeah. you've been through stuff, you can relate differently. Do you see that? Do you, do you, do you agree oh, with yeah. that, or am I just like, totally weird? No, if you've been through stuff, I think you certainly can. I think we find each other. We can kind of spot yeah. each other, you know, and uh, I think that there's a, you know, I just, at this, at this, at this um, book signing last night, a woman came running up to me afterwards, and she, was, she actually lost her father the night before, and she... Oh she God. came to be at this event, and uh, she it, it, she was just so she, she was so touched by what I was saying, and so inspired. And there was something in her that you know just was craving hearing what I had to say, and hearing that that she wasn't alone, and hearing about this struggle and messiness and all of that. And you know, so I think yes, like there's there I I. I 
mean, everybody's had stuff that they've gone through, and there's yep. just different ways. Some people end up just stuffing it and never really dealing with it, you know, and it, it just will eat at them in other ways. And then other people get lost in it and, you know, stay completely lost, and I'm certainly not proposing that either. Um, you know, and I like the, the middle road where we are, you know, we're road warriors. We're, I call us firewalkers, actually. That's my new term. You know, we're, we're, we have the scars to show. You know, we've got the, the twinkle in our eye and the wisdom there, too, and, you know, some gray hairs as well, you know. Very true. Very, very true. You know, one, one of the other things that I noticed in your book, and it's similar to, to something that I say, I'm constantly saying, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So ask the question. Right. Now, in, in yep. your book, you quote the man referred to by many as the greatest hockey player ever or the great one, Wayne Gretzky, who said, mm-hmm. you will always miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I just love that because it is so true. It's unfortunate that people have a fear of taking the shot. Now, nobody likes to fail, but to me, having regret is so much worse. So is there something practical or tangible that you feel people can do maybe right now or that they can implement today or put into practice to move forward into their life, into their dreams and passions, and actually help them to take the shot so that they're just not sitting around waiting for life to happen to them? Yeah. You know, I um, one thing in my first book I, I did, I looked at some some components, and I still use these when I speak and talk to people. Um, something I say is, Simple actions can lead to extraordinary results, and Mm -hmm. simple action. You know, we tend to think it's that, you know, we've all heard this before about one step at a time and all that, and, you know, maybe most people have heard the how do you eat an elephant. You eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know. And we tend to look at any project or any new goal or any new venture and say, I've got to do it all right now, and I can't and we get overwhelmed or we can also go to the other extreme and get like completely bogged down in the details you know it's either the overwhelming big picture that just completely stops us or the busy work of the details and you know like drowning in the minutia but i say a simple action is just doing one thing like you know if you want to write a book you buy a book on how to write a book i mean that's one action today that you can do tomorrow sit down in front of your computer and write a paragraph. You know, just just do something every day, some little thing towards your goal because if if you don't do that, then these the goals, the dreams, the things we've always said we want to do, they will just start to suck us dry and we won't believe ourselves either. You know, the next time you say you're going to do something, you won't believe yourself because you didn't do the other thing. You know, and I also, um, I, there's so many metaphors with fire and um, kind of given fire just burns everything away, can look at, um, you know, I think we should burn some of our goals and dreams away and really take stock. And you can, I do kind of a fire drill with, with clients of, okay, you've got, you've got 10 minutes to move from, you know, out of, out of, your house and get out, get out, you know, save yourself basically. And, but this time imagine you're not taking stuff, you're taking, you're taking dreams and goals with you. I mean, take your top dreams and goals 
and really look at what is just old and has been there for too long that really you don't actually want to do. Because sometimes we inherit dreams and goals and think, well, you know, ever since I was in high school, I said I would do blah, blah, blah. And one day I will, you know. And for, for a long time, my family is all in aviation. And for a long time, I thought I should be in aviation. I thought I should get my pilot's license. And I actually started, I, I have seven hours flying time. And I got to the point where I thought it was really, it would be so cool to be a pilot and have my pilot's license. But I realized mm-hmm. that was it. It would be cool. And my family was in aviation, but I didn't want to be badly enough. I didn't want to have to do what it took badly enough to do it. And I could have powered through it, but it wasn't, that wouldn't have been a good idea. And so, you know, it's really like, like let, let some of this stuff go. So two things, simple actions and do an inventory, take an inventory, take stock of your dreams and goals, those things you've been saying you're going to do, and get rid of some. Yeah, it's kind of like spring cleaning, you know. If you're exactly. over the age of 40 and on your list is I'm going to be an Olympic champion, you can probably cross that off because it's highly yep. unlikely that you're going to become an Olympic champion. That doesn't mean you can't go swimming or sailing or running or whatever it is that you want to be an Olympic champion in, but those days have gone by. It's time to say, I don't need this anymore because I can't fit into it, so I might as well give it to somebody else and really yeah. let it go. And you know, you talk about fire. Sometimes when people uh, want to do something or they want to get rid of things, I'll tell them, do the cathartic thing, write it down, and then burn the paper. Let it go. Yep. Just put it out there. Just let it go. Yep. And that yep. seems to be a ritual that kind of works with people, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing the different things that, that you can do to help yourself. And I like the small actions. One thing at a time, instead of looking at the end and saying, oh, I don't know how to get there, just say, you know, someday I want to do this, so right now I'll read about it. And maybe I'll take a little bit of action, like you said, and write a paragraph. And sometimes when you start to do that, you will find that all of a sudden you're in flow and you go on a roll and you get a whole lot more accomplished in the time yeah. frame you thought and even extend over. So those are great tips. So I thank you very much for that. We are almost at yeah. the top of the hour, Kristen. But before we say goodbye, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book? Yes. Um, I would welcome people to contact me through my website. That's uh, com. K-R-I-S-T-E-N-M-O-E-L-L-E-R.com. Um, if you can't remember how to spell that, you can also go to walkingthroughfire.com. That's my blog. Um, so I'd love to see you there. And, you know, I always say support your local bookstores to get my book. I mean, it's just the, the local bookstore is a dying breed. And that these days that even means your local Barnes & Noble, you know, brick-and-mortar bookstore. So go to your local bookstore. If they don't carry it, they can order it for you. And, of course, you can buy it on all your favorite online retailers as well. So the book, again, is What Are You Waiting For? Learn How to Rise to the Occasion of Your Life. Kristen, thank you so much for sharing both your time and all of your insight with us here tonight. It was truly a pleasure to have you on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for what you do and for this time as well. Well, you're welcome. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio. 
So share it with your friends. You know, we live in very challenging times, and this is a constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I have to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to this show that you just listened to to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you have to learn and grow and make the world a better place for everyone. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. And if you're not in the area and you can't make a concert, you can order my CD, Imagine, from that site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a man.